Amen. Well, we are moving into our last week of our Kryptonite series. If you have your device with you and you want to jump onto the Real Life app, uh, you'll realize there are some notes there. We're going to put some things up on the screen, uh, but uh, we have more that is available on the app, and you'll be able to follow along with me throughout this entire week. But uh, we've kind of used that adage, and I know that you've been around over these last eight weeks, uh, kind of taking from the theme of Superman, that although that he was a big, powerful guy, We know that in the storyline that there was something called kryptonite, that wherever uh, he became exposed to it, that weakened him and would weaken him even to the point of death. And we've kind of taken that storyline and we've applied it to where we are right now to recognize that there are things that we can experience in our life that hinder us or weaken us from living out God's destiny, God's freedom in our life. And again, as you are maybe visiting with us today, please understand. Understand you are at the end of an eight-week series that we have talked about these different areas of kryptonite, some that were like shame, regret, rejection, low self-worth, uh, these powerful emotional conflicts that a lot of people struggle with at different points in their life. In fact, I would encourage you, you can go back on our app or on our website, and all of our services are recorded there under this series, and you can go back, and maybe if you missed one of those messages, that you can uh, review it and go through it again, or maybe share it with some people that are struggling with those different emotional conflicts that, that they can experience in their life. But I also recognize that for some that they realize, well, Pastor, I, I, I'm, whether it's been a while or never, but, but some of those things I, I don't really struggle with. So what can be the other areas of kryptonite that as a follower of Jesus that, that, that I could understand a little bit more in my life? And, and I think that there are certainly two kinds of kryptonite that, that we can all struggle with. And we talked about one of them last week. It was our mouth, right? We recognize that sometimes uh, it gets us in a lot of trouble and, and, and sometimes finds out that uh, in some of those ways in which we've uh, uh, let things come out of our mouth that have been harmful not only really to us but to those that are around us. But I have one more that I think that we are all in as well this morning and that is our money. Let me ask you, has anyone here ever struggled with money? Come on, huh? How many, is there anyone today that you have run out of money before you've run out of month, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's this idea that is a kryptonite about what do we do with money today. So I want to expand it to a much bigger issue. And maybe if you've been around church for a while, you've heard this term. But the word is stewardship. And it really includes much more than our money, but it includes how we manage our time, our relationships, our callings, and even the special giftings that God places in our life. So today I want to challenge the idea of kryptonite when it comes to how do we manage all of the resources that come through our life. Again, steward or a stewardship idea might be a little different. We can equate it to the word manager. Maybe that's a little bit more understandable for a lot of us here today. Now, if you've ever gone to a big hotel or if you can remember watching some old movies, a lot of times there were stewards uh, who took care of the baggage, right? Or if you've traveled on a train that, that they're called stewards that take your possessions that you put into their care for a while and you are trusting them 
to take care of it so that when you get to the end of your trip or, or when you get to your rooms, that your bags, that your luggage is going to be there. That we find that there are people that take what's not theirs but, but use it wisely and then at the end want to return it so that everyone is well taken care of. You see, the foundation principle for us under stewardship in to recognize of all of the resources that God filters through our life is this primary understanding that God owns everything. Everybody say amen. That God owns everything. The first principle we have to understand in the idea of stewarding all the resources that are in our life, that none of them are mine. They are simply been given to me by God to manage, to be a steward of what he has brought into my life. David said it best in Psalms 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live there within. I want you to think about all the things that pass through your hands, pass through your heart, pass through your eyes and senses throughout your life. The idea is the only way that we have what we have is because God has blessed us with those things. That God has invested those things into our life. They are not ours by way of possession. They are ours by way of stewardship. That God allows them to be given to us for a short amount of time and that we take this moment to use it wisely that we find an investment that works in greater format for God and what he has done for us. I read a story not too long ago about a woman who had finished her shopping and returned to her car to shockingly find that there were four men inside of it. She dropped her shopping bags, drew a handgun out of her purse, and with a forceful voice said, I have a gun and I know how to use it. Get out of my car. Well, those men did not wait for a second invitation. They got out of the car and they ran like crazy. The woman, understandably shaken, quickly loaded the shopping car bags back into her car and she just wanted to get out of that parking lot as fast as she could. But no matter how hard she tried to get the key into the ignition of that car, she could not get the key in to start the car. And then it hit her. This isn't my car. She looked four spots over, and there the exact car like hers was sitting, realizing that she had gotten into the wrong car. So she got her bags and wrecked all the panic that was on her, and she moved over and put everything back in her car and drove herself over to the police station and turned herself in. On the other side was the desk sergeant who nearly fell out of his chair laughing as he heard the story. She wondered why he was laughing where he pointed to the end of the counter. There were four men who had just come in reporting a carjacking by a woman in glasses with curly white hair less than five feet tall. Charges were pressed. You see, she thought it was her car, but it really belonged to someone else. And when we recognize our role in stewardship, it's very much the same way. We first have to understand that I own nothing, that God owns it all. And so there are some principles I think that we need to understand that if we don't get this right, that these kind of issues 
will prove to be kryptonite in our life for those around us and for our future as well. So why don't you write some of these things down or maybe uh, you have notes on on your device and that you'll follow along and, and let them, again, speak into your spirit this morning. The first thing that I want us to understand today is that as a steward, I have a divine responsibility. So what it is that God has blessed me in my life with, I realize it is not me to possess it or to manage uh, from my own intuition, but to recognize that as it has been given to me by God, I have a divine responsibility to use it. If God is the owner, then I am entrusted with his property. And so I must learn to think and to live and to act on his account, to manage well what he has done for me. The job of a steward is to find out what it is that the owner wants done with his assets and then carry out his directives. And so it takes initiative on my part. It takes prayer. It takes understanding. It takes recognition. Again, who do I work for? What have I been given and what must I do with it? You see, if you believe that you are the owner, then you will constantly be in conflict with God over what to do with the things that we possess. That's where the battle comes. That's why we miss out many times on God's blessings because at the end of the day, we are fighting the battle as if I'm the owner rather than being the manager. Whether it's our money, whether it's our giftings, our talents, whether it's our time, But when we understand that the Lord is the owner and that I am simply the steward, I am the manager, then the conflict instantly disappears because it's not what I want to do. It's not my will. It's not up to me to make something or not make something out of it. It's to follow his divine direction for my life. And when that happens, when I am being led by God, when I am being led by the Spirit, how many can agree with me? Then freedom, true freedom comes into my life. You see, then I realize that I can have a heart to give. I can still believe even when I don't have much, I know that if I am moving in the giftings that God has given to me, that if I still in faithfulness unleash my giftings, my talents, my money, that God is going to be faithful to respond to me in that way. It takes away the conflict and allows me to live in freedom. Second of all, as a steward, I must recognize that one day I will give an account of what God has given to me as the manager, about what he has placed in my life. And the wonderful thing is is that God has doled out these gifts, these talents, these abilities so differently to each and every one of us. We all get a part to play. Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, much like a body, that, that we are all different parts, and some are, are significant, so we think, and some are, are so insignificant. And Paul says, yet it's sometimes those insignificant parts that help make everything this wonderful. Regardless of what part we are, we realize that collectively we make up this wonderful body of Christ. But with that knowledge, we must, must understand that we will also give an account, that I am going to be held accountable to God Because he, as the owner, has expectations of the manager. I think we can put it practically into any term, where you work or or if you are running a business, that you recognize that you are entrusting into your workers a a game plan, a a directive uh, about what you want to do in the community or what investment you want to make. And listen, nobody does their work without somebody coming to check on how's it going. 
that we recognize all of the money or the millions that the owner is putting into running this business to make it successful to realize that there is a weekly or a monthly, a quarterly accounting so that we recognize the mission is having the ability to go forward. And so the owner has complete right to a full disclosure of what has been done with the gifting. So I want to warn you today, especially those that are trusting and walking in the ways of God today, that our managing as a steward of God will one day undergo a job performance evaluation. That God is going to call and look every one of us in the eye and simply ask, what have we done with what he has given us? Romans 14 verse 12 says, so then each of us, this talks about to the believer what the Bible calls it the judgment seat, that each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So as much as some of these topics that we don't always relish in, I need to prepare you. See, I'm not always here to tell you what you want to hear. I am here to tell you what you need to hear. And so at the end, we recognize that we are all going to go through a a job performance evaluation and that we need to be ready. You say, well, pastor, what's on the exam? What's, What's on the evaluation? Let me give you a couple of things. I think, first of all, ourselves. When we are going to be judged by God with everything that he has done, how we have stewarded, how we have managed all the things that he has placed under our care, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 4, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful, that we be faithful in our giving, we are faithful in our time, we're faithful as a husband or as a wife, we're faithful as a parent, we're faithful as an employer or as an employee, we're faithful in our community. In all of the areas in which we live and act and interact, we recognize that God wants us as a follower of Christ to be faithful. The Bible says that the owner one day is going to call us onto account that have we been faithful you. I beg of you, I challenge you so that you will present your bodies as living sacrifice. It's going to check ourselves. God's going to evaluate our possessions, the things that he has put tangibly in our hands to manage. He's going to hold all of the things that we have done that have been entrusted into us. I'm sure that if you've been around church a little bit, that Jesus told a couple of different stories, a parable that has an earthly story based around a very heavenly treasures to his managers, to his stewards, that he was going to go away for a while. It doesn't take very much for us to connect the dots that Jesus was giving his followers, his disciples, the keys to the kingdom, that we should be stewards of the kingdom, and that one day the king is going to come back, and as you read the story throughout the Gospels, that the king called his managers, his stewards back, and asked them to give an account of what they have done with what they were given. You'll remember at times one was given five, one was given two, one was given one, that that again, just this mixed bag of blessings that God gives to people. But I want you to be honest with me and realize there was a reckoning in the story. Multiple times this story was told in the Gospels, and it was true every time that they would have to come back and stand before the king and give an account of what they were given, how they invested, how they used, how they were entrusted. And I also want to be, you to be reminded of as to that steward that did nothing with the investment, that he was punished for that. 
that his giftings were taken away, that, that God spoke a denouncement upon them for all of the things that God has blessed us with and recognized that we did nothing with it, that we had no foreknowledge. Even to do even the most minimal effort, that would have been blessed. But God said for those of us that do, don't do anything with it, that we don't recognize the gift that God has given to work through us, that we are not maximizing that for the king. The Bible says one day we are going to be held in account for that. What's another checklist? I think our time. Ephesians 5 says that we should pay careful attention. Everybody say that with me. We pay what? Careful attention. This isn't haphazard. This isn't, oh, I forgot. No, that we pay careful attention then how we should walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Why? Because we need to make the most out of the time that we have been given because the days are evil. You see, the purpose and the spirit that God has put into our life, it's not to be frivolous. It's not to be thought of as, as not being necessary. That it is powerful for the day in which we are living. We need to have the mindset every morning that God has given me this time to make an impact. Whether on my family, my workplace, my neighborhood, my community. In so many ways. That might be volunteering. That might be serving. That might have a sense of, uh, of how you care and look for people uh, around the world. Uh, uh, in our neighborhoods that might be in need, that, that you'll have a heart of compassion that will move upon them in that moment. I know that we are living in a time where it's, it's harder for us to bless people because we feel like we're going to get scammed or, or, or people show up at our door or they, they uh, approach us at an intersection or at the mall or whatever. And right away, I know our feelings are, oh man, I, I, how do I do this if, if they're just a scam artist or, or, or they're going to take advantage of me? And listen, I get that. And so that's why we have to pay more care careful attention because sometimes we have to give ridiculously sometimes we realize at the end of the day I have more than what I need and sometimes I have to feel like even if I get taken advantage of I want to have a heart to give not to hold and so I'm not saying we do that in every situation or circumstance, but we pray in that moment to say, is this one of these moments, or what more can I do or I give to bless? You see, we all get the same 1,440 minutes every week, and I wonder how closely we are paying attention that our lives are profiting the kingdom of heaven. Maybe questions to say, have I been selfish rather than sacrificial? Is my first idea of all of the resources that God has given me, rather, is it my first instinct to hold or to bless or to give? You see, it's so hard up until that moment. For those of us that have moved past that in our life, it's so hard up until that moment, but it's a watershed moment in our life that once we cross over, and learn the abundance and the blessing and the joy that comes in my gifts to dole out. Freedom overtakes my life. Joy comes in giving. Even when I can look to say, wow, I, I don't have a whole lot to give. But when God helps me to recognize it's not yours anyway, Jim. And I'm speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm impressing you. You need to do it. You need to give it. I don't give it in fear anymore. I give it in the faith and freedom to know that if God, it's his deal. And he wants to use me in this way. That God is going to take care of me. 
You see, getting to that moment can be very difficult, but trust me in this. Once you get over that, boy, what a life of joy and victory you will continue to live. Am I mostly promoting my agenda or his agenda? You see, these are questions that God's going to ask all of us on that day, and we are going to have to have an answer for it. What about my talents or my abilities, the, the skills, the blessings that God has given to me? The owner is going to examine what have we done with what he has given us. These wonderful gifts and abilities that are so mixed and so wonderfully uh, different among even this group. And, and we think about how we are able to affect the world around us. The great creativity, the, the giftings, whether in song or, or creation or teaching or all of the things that make up our world so wonderful and beautiful. Peter says it this way, as every man has received the gift... Even so, minister the same one to another. I think so many of us feel that we are insignificant or it, it, we're, we're so low that, that what does it matter? And yet we recognize sometimes like a, a, a jigsaw puzzle. You might think that you're just this isolated piece and what does it really matter? And all along what God is wanting from you is that you're the piece that is going to connect the whole picture of what it is that God wants to do. And rather than thinking that you're insignificant or that your peace doesn't matter, I want you to recognize that who you are, the things that you have, that God is building a masterpiece. God is wanting to place you and use you to do something bigger and beyond yourself. So stop holding in and start letting go of who you are and what God has done in your life and watch that not only what God wants to do in and through you, but how God wants to use us collectively to bless those that are around us as well. You see, don't be mistaken, God has high expectations, is that I serve him well, that I grow, that I think, that I care, that I love like he does. And I must live every day recognizing that I am going to give an account of how much more that I stepped into being a blessing, stepping into to, to love like he does, to give even if it's sacrificially, that I can have freedom and faith to know that God is guiding and directing me and that God has my back. You see, again, when I recognize that, first of all, it's all his, it takes all that pressure off, that we will be accountable for all the things that he has given to us and then how we have used them. Well, let me just talk about, so if we do have these things and that they need to be released, then, then what is the method then how is it that they should be released in and through my life? And again, God is so good to help give us the manual, give us the instruction about how we can utilize both, uh, both tangibly and, and then uh, internally, how we process that process to, to make it happen. And so again, whether it's our money, our time, our talent, our possessions, our givings, listen, there is a right way to steward and there can be a wrong way to steward. That we have to recognize that there is a divine pathway, a method for us to utilize these gifts that God has given to us. So this is what the Bible says in how we should be givers of all of these things that God has invested into our life. So write these down. The first thing is that we should give abundantly. You see, when we recognize that it's not mine, like I'm not trying to do the math or do the percentages, the fact is, is that it's not even mine. I don't have a say. And so when God moves on my heart, the first thing that he wants me to understand is, is that I have the power to give abundantly. 
David said, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything that I have comes from you. See, David was acting like a steward, not an owner. Listen, when we give to God, and again, we help the mission and the ministry of the church, uh, for, for, for generations, we've called it tithing, right? Listen, I want you to know that God calls on us to tithe, not to tip. You see, because we have this more mentality based on that, that, that it's up to us to decide, right? I mean, that's kind of what tipping is. We go into this idea, well, how was the service? How, did, how, did they, how was the food? And then somehow we have this rank, right, to where we apply what the percentage is. But the fact is, it's not up for you and I to apply the percentage. God has already done that for us. In fact, I want to give you a little bit of help. You see, not only is the tithe God's, everything is God's. You see, I think we live under this aspect that, okay, like I'm, I'm fighting this tithing thing as if it's really yours to determine or yours to manage. It's not. Everything is God's. God has required for those of us to be faithful in giving him what the Bible calls the first fruits. You see, a lot of us, we recognize tithing as the last 10%. After we've taken care of everything else and felt like we're taken care of, then we may step into the idea of doing what God has called us to do. But you have the biblical pattern wrong. Everything that comes about this demand of God returning what is his is the first fruit. Somebody say amen. Not the last fruits. God says, you put me first in everything and watch if I will not throw down from heaven powers and abundance and blessings. But unfortunately, we have a tipping mentality when it comes to us being stewards when all along God is the owner and God is challenging us already that we have hearts of which we are abundant in our giving. He goes on to say that our giving should be sacrificial. There's a great story in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We read about it in the Gospel of Acts as well. There was a church in Macedonia as Paul was going out to do his missionary efforts of really evangelizing the world that, that he didn't have all of the resources. And so he, he counted on the church to be faithful, to support and give to missions and to bless those much like our Live to Give campaign. To recognize that there are people that are out in the trenches, that, that have little resource, that don't have a church family, that don't have a heart that's put on their life. And Paul commented that about the churches of Macedonia. He wrote this, during a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. I testify, Paul says, on their own, according to their ability, and beyond their ability, they begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. Listen, if you can give when it hurts, you can give when it doesn't hurt. See, but that's the challenge for us. Well, yeah, I can give when it doesn't hurt. But the challenge is, can I trust him and understand the principle that it's not mine. And so like the Macedonians, Paul called them out to say, listen, if you want an example, an earthly example, 
Here's a bunch of people that don't have much and through fierce and difficult times in which they are experiencing. They believe in the ministry and the gospel and what God has called me to do to take the gospel to the world that even in their pain, not only have they sacrificed, but they have abundantly sacrificed. You see, heaven takes notice. How could they give so generously while in extreme poverty? Hear me today, church. They didn't see poverty as an exemption from giving. You see, and why we can't figure that out is because we take our tithe from the bottom 10% and not the top 10%. And you will battle that and you will miss out on God's miraculous blessings in your life over and over until you are able to flip that percentage around. Trust me in that. Listen, don't amen. That's okay. I don't, I don't need it today. You see, we recognize this morning that God desires not only for us to give abundantly and sacrificially, but even more, the Bible says that we can give joyfully. Joyfully. In fact, some have taken the word in the Greek and has translated it where Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that the Lord loves a cheerful giver that the word actually can mean a hilarious giver. That we are a belly laugher when it comes to God's goodness in our life. That we rejoice and we talk about his faithfulness and we talk about his goodness. You see, joyful giving is a sign that givers understand the owner-manager relationship. And cheer my budget, it's his budget. It's not my agenda, it's his agenda. It's not my money, It's his money. Boy, I thought I'd get at least one amen somewhere along that line, right? It's not my gift. It's his gift. It's not not my talent. It's his talent. You see, that's how you give hilariously because you're so amazed that you get to partner with the God of heaven to bless your family, to bless your community, and ultimately for us to bless the world. God loves a cheerful giver because such givers are investing in the kingdom And we know that that will reap eternal dividends. There's another awesome story in Exodus chapter 36, if you think this is only a New Testament concept. But when Moses was getting the plans from God to build the temple, the tabernacle, he relied on Israel and everything that they had collected, whether from their journey out of Egypt and everything that they had got through the, the entire time of their journey. And they realized that as a group, we were going to have to pitch together. We were going to have to come together. The only way that this thing is going to happen, it's going to get built if we all invest, if we all give. So whatever you have, wherever it's where you're at, God's going to bless these craftsmen. And we're going to take whatever you have and we're going to fashion it so it will be holy and it will be a place in which we can worship and magnify God And this is what it says in Exodus 36. The craftsmen constructing the sanctuary came to Moses and said, the people are bringing more than what is needed for the construction of the work. So Moses gave an order throughout all of the camp, let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. The materials were sufficient for them to do all of the work. In fact, there is more than enough for the house of God. Listen, every preacher in America shouted amen right there. I don't know about you. You see, Moses basically had to get up and say, enough already with the giving. You hilarious, crazy people. Enough already. 
How many pastors do you think around the world say that every Sunday? Top 10%, bottom 10%. You see, it's a matter about how we recognize that we're not the owner, we're only the steward. But when we believe and that when we partner with God, there is such a joy, a hilariousness that come into our life to know that, listen, this thing is way beyond me, my small parts, my little piece, God's going to jigsaw it, God's going to multiply it, God's going to magnify it, and together we are going to accomplish more than we ever could in our lives together. Let me give you a couple of directives to kind of close us out today. You see, I said it earlier, the tithes, that 10%, it's not just the Lord's. Everything is the Lord's. I don't want you to have this misnomer that the 10% is God's and the 90% is mine. Nope. It's all his. God just simply gives us a number and a figure for us to recognize. Just the, and, and how amazing, God takes the smallest percentage and says, listen, I can do a lot more if you'll just give me a little. It's this little growing. Because what, what God knew and what I think finds out is what we trust God with the 10%, we are no longer limited to simply 10%. Listen, I don't fight my wife. We give our 10% as ministers within the assemblies of God. We have to give an account of our giving. We don't ask any of you to give an account at the end of the year for your giving, but I have to. Bailey has to. We have to share that we have given. Here's the numbers. Here's the figures. A lot of people think, well, that's pretty invasive. That's like how it It's not mine. Like, why would we fear that? Listen, I know it's going to get really quiet now, so I'll just... <laughs> but not only do we do that, there are many moments where Debbie says, we're, we're going to give this, we're going to give that. We were at the Keystone Alliance foster meeting. As a church, we are already supporting them. I asked several families to come and join us. I said, please don't feel obligated to give as the church. We are giving already monthly to this. And Debbie said, listen, you're going to have to transfer some money out of this account because I'm writing a check tonight. Awesome. We went to the PAL event last night. We had a gift that was given to us, and Deb says, we're going to write a check, and we're going to bless PAL. You see, we don't have to fight. We don't have to argue over that. It's not mine anyway. It's not a tip. I want to be glad to give. I want to know that I have my house in order so that when God speaks to me or when God speaks to my wife, it's not a battle for us to give. It's a blessing for us to give. Come on, somebody. See, it starts here. When I recognize it's not mine to begin with. None of it is mine. If teaching is your gift, and you are not teaching our kids at real life, one day you're going to be accountable for that. People told me, well, pastor, I am a teacher, but I teach all week. The last thing I want to do on Sunday is come and teach. You're wrong. I don't know how you can teach the world and you can't teach God's children. You see, because God gave you a gift and how could you not use it for the kingdom? If you're a musician, 
if you have technical or computer skills and you're not serving on our worship team, you're not running computers and lights, you're not helping with our live stream, you're sitting here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Let me tell you, God's going to call you out. And how bad to be yelled at. I'm not really yelled at, but by held accountable by God. And, and still we are going to miss your blessing week in and week out. If you have hospitality, that gift, if your face can light up a room, if you care and love for people, why are you not welcoming people to this church like one day you were welcomed into this church? You're going to give an account for that. Who loves coffee here this morning? Notice how Pastor Jim lightens the mood after kind of smacking you down a little bit. There's a lot of you that love coffee. Then why aren't you here helping with the coffee crew once in a while that gets all of your coffee ready? Well, you know what a lot of people say to me is, Pastor, I, I, I didn't know there was a need. I, I, didn't, I didn't know there was a need. Oh, that's what you're going to tell me. That, that's what you're going to tell me. You didn't know there was a need. Let, let me just lay it out for you. There will always, forever, every Sunday from now until Jesus comes back, there will be a need in one of those areas and more at real life every day. And the joy is, is that the more that God brings people in and the more that we grow and the more that we develop, guess what? We're going to need more and more and more people to serve. You say, well, pastor, I, you know, I, I probably have to attend for, you know, four years before I start. No, you don't. No, you don't. We realize that you are here not by accident. You are here by divine calling. You may have found us in a variety of ways, but I want you to know that God knows exactly why you're here, and we believe why you are here, to do great things for the kingdom. I'm going to ask the band. They're going to come and help me this morning. I think we all understand practically this morning. How many know that we are not going to take anything with us? Of all of these things that we are stockpiling, that we are putting up, that we are saving for a rainy day, we know that when our time comes, it's all going to stay. So here's what I want to leave you with this morning. You see, when we see Jesus, and if we believe that we're going to heaven, that before we get to the party... The Bible says that we're going to first have to give an account about what we knew, about what we did with the blessings and his investment in our life. And so here's what you're going to have to be prepared for, to either how you stewarded the gifts that God has put into your life or why you buried the things that God brought into your life. Is it kind of easy enough? Just two ways. The Bible says every one of us as followers of Jesus are one day going to give an account. So you're either going to give him a list of all of the things that you did as a good steward, a good manager of all that he has done for you, or you're going to have to, on every one of these areas, talk to him about why you didn't do anything for the kingdom with the gift that God has given to you. So listen, anything that you do is not too high or too low for God to use you. You have great financing skills, the house of God can use that. You know how to clean, you know how to scrub toilets, you know how to take out garbage, take out a trash, 
the house of God needs people that know how to do that too. You see, there is no equality in the task. Do you hear me? It's just an equal desire of the heart. Doesn't matter what you do. The world might put labels that you're a big shot because you can take money and make money and do all this thing or you have this skill. No, whatever we are doesn't do what it does. In fact, God puts a blessing on people whose hearts to say, yeah, like I'm a big shot finance guy, but I have no problem going to the bathroom and cleaning the toilets or being the custodian or whatever. God says, that's the heart of investment that I want to bless. No one that's looking for a title, just looking to recognize I've got something to give and something that I can share and how can the house of God go without when I have that gift, when I have that ability. Doesn't take much to do a lot of things. There was a story about a man who was a miser his whole life. He would give his wife just little or no money and make it very difficult for her just to maintain or to make sure that the ends get met. The time came when the miser got sick and the doctor told him, you better prepare to die. So he called his wife and said, I want you to take all of my money and I want you to put it in a box and I want you to place it in the attic. Everything that I have, boxes and boxes of money so that on my way up to heaven, I can catch all of it on the way up and take it with me to heaven. And so the day came when the miser died. And after the funeral, the wife remembered, oh no, that box, all those boxes of money that are in the attic, I should run up and I should check to see what happened. And lo and behold, as she got to the very top of the step, there were boxes and boxes and boxes of money. And she cried out, George, I knew I should have put that money in the basement for you. There it goes, there it goes. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You see, the idea is that we're not taking anything with us no matter where we're going. The investment is, what am I doing with what God has given me today to utilize for the kingdom? Listen, I would love, the, the greatest gift you could give me is through this year for me to stand up and say, would you people stop blessing and giving to the kingdom? You guys are nuts. But it doesn't take you doing a lot. In God's math, it just takes the maths. Doing a little. God will take care of the math. Let's just be faithful. Let's be obedient. Let's be sacrificial. Let's give abundantly. Let's give hilariously in everything that we are to the wonderful kingdom of God. Amen?